Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Biff Pal Bam. As you can probably tell from the Scouse accent, I am not Paul. The reason I am hosting today's episode is purely because Paul is stuffing his face right at the moment with an Oreo McFlurry. Yep, I am. I'm just about to put another bit in my mouth. You are missus. So this week we decided that we would, well, we were originally going to do another run and commentary, um, but considering people have small children at home and someone else just wanted to get to bed a bit earlier than usual, uh, we decided to watch the film individually, which was Superman from 1987. The best Superman film. 77. 1978, did I say 87? Oh, do you know 70, You said 87. 87, oh, 1978, come on. Th- yeah. This is the, the new medical dyslexia coming in now, I tell you. <laughs> right, so boys, did we enjoy the film overall? We did. Um, well, I certainly did. I've got eight pages of notes to go through before the end of this show. <laughs> so. <laughs> can, can we beat eight pages, Tony, can we? Uh, no, I've only got a couple. I swear, oh, I mean, I was just going to open with just how we first came across this film. Because for me, it was actually um, way back when I was in the early 80s at junior uh, secondary school. We had a film society at night time. You go with your parents. It's effectively like the school cinema. And you, you pay for your society for each film. Because they used to show second run films basically a couple of years after they came out. And this was one of the films I got to see uh, in a school hall, basically, where my mum and dad did, did, one, you, one did you have all the lights down? Was it proper cinema type thing? Well, it was. Well, it was. It was basically. It was, there was a big sort of pull down screen, and there was the old fashioned projector stuck down the middle of the aisle, and and there's some like stereo. It's probably only in stereo, I suspect, at the time. But yeah, so that was the first time I came across the movie, and I absolutely fell in and, love. And with did it. you have time. your box of popcorn with the hole cut in the bottom? <laughs> used to go. Used to have to go out the main hall into the cafeteria next door for inter- intermission for like ice cream, shock ices and stuff. <laughs> and, uh, and yeah, and that is kind of where I got my partly got my love of cinema from was those film societies because I didn't go to the regular cinema much. So I used to go to the film society, and it was one I fell in love with just seeing it there. And it absolutely blew me away at the time. And I've caught it once or twice over the years. Picked up DVDs and Blu-rays. Uh, and it was a joy sit, sitting down and watching it again for the first, first time I've sat down and watched it in full in a long time, actually, last video. See, I think I must watch this film at least maybe three times a year. Like, because it's one of those films where if I'm having a bit of a one of them days, I'm down, I'm feeling a bit shite, you know what I mean? I just stick it on and I come away from it and I go, do you know what? There are good people in the world. They might not be able to fly, but there are good people. It's one of those films. Cause, I mean, if you're going for um, backstory of how you came across it, um, this was, considering it is actually the first comic book, big budget comic book film to be made, this was actually the very first comic book film I ever saw. <laughs> and I'd say what, an, what film to open up with Absolutely. for my introductory to geekdom. Because... I think what it was in the days of VHS and Betamax and all that. I know you are probably saying a bit too young to remember that, but like <laughs> my dad still had it. He was one of those who had to wire the bloody uh, stereo around the whole room, get surround sound. Whoa, listen to that. He was one of them. 
and um, <laughs> he, he recorded Superman the movie like one day and he said I'll sit mm. down with you and watch it and I sat down and watched it and I don't think I closed my mouth until the credits finished rolling <laughs> I just I fell in love with it and I think I, I used to try and nick the tape out of my dad's tape collection um, and just like take it up to my room and what that just watch it <laughs> for hours on repeat. I absolutely adored it. See, I don't remember the first time I saw it. I think it must have been around, they must have been showing these films around the time that Batman 88 came out, 89. Mm, yeah. um, they must have been showing it on like BBC or ITV at that point. My brother, as I've said before, my brother was always a comic book fan anyway. So when Batman came along, it was kind of the the big thing in the house, um, but yeah, I think I must have seen Superman around around that that time. I'll always I I've spoken to Tony about this, but I always had this really downbeat memory of the first time I went to LA, and it was the first time the films had been remastered, and oh, it yeah. came out, and I remember mm. the box set's very similar to what's available now. Um, obviously not Blu-ray. It was yeah. it was just a DVD box set at that point. But I remember going to the Virgin Megastore on Hollywood Boulevard, and it was there in a glass case because <laughs> it was like the first time nice. they'd started combining these these films into one box set, and it was the big thing of the mm. week. And I I remember looking at it, and I was with our our friend Slippy at the time, and I was like, "Do I buy it or don't I?" And I never did. <laughs> And up until this point, I'd never actually owned it. All the, all this oh, yeah, time, you went out and bought it, didn't you? Off Amazon, yeah. the big Blu-ray collection. Yeah. Um, so now I have, I've, I've got it finally in the collection. After that was what thirteen years ago, the first time I looked at that box set, and wow. still never bought it. So now I've finally got it in my collection, and and looking forward to watching the other films as well from the collection. Yeah. Yeah. See, I I bought the Blu-ray box set. Must be about maybe between five and ten years ago, I was just in HMV in uh, Speak, which is part of Liverpool. Um, and I, I think it quite recently been either Christmas or my birthday. And I was just in there and I said to my dad, I'm going to buy this because it had the original, the proper theatrical cut of the film we've all just watched. Um, yep. The original ending of that film because it was different to what we got. The Su- Superman 2 that we saw in the, would have seen in the cinema, the Richard Donner course of Superman, then Superman 3, 4, and Superman Returns, but then there was a bonus disc of how they did all the flying sequences and yeah. how they cast Christopher yeah. Reeve. And I, I would actually sit and watch the documentaries of the behind-the-scenes stuff more than watching the films, because it just interested yep. me so much. Yeah, and... There is also, and I, uh, you both know about this, I'm a bit of a completist for this movie. Um, and it's, it's something I'll just pick up on briefly at this point, is that there's actually the TV cut as well, which oh, came yeah, out on a separate yeah, yeah. Blu-ray with the special edition, which is in that box set. And yeah. also the extended cut, which I've got on an import from the States, which is the three-hour version. And I'll probably touch on that again in a minute, that, that version. Yeah, yeah. And we also, so, we're, we're all going to have to pick up uh, Supergirl at some point as well. Oh, I've got that. <laughs> I've got that on import because <laughs> uh, it's region free. Because it's Warner Brothers, they're still good. They do all region free discs. 
Yeah. Uh, so you can get them on import. And it's got, that again has got two versions. It's got this, this theatrical, and I think it's got a European cut on DVD. Uh, oh no, the director's the, cut is on DVD. Like, to be fair, I haven't seen that film for years. I watched it yeah. once and I thought, I don't need to see this again. Yeah, What's it's got so a different? special edition, international cut remastered in Blu-ray, and the rare director's cut on a bonus DVD. So, but I've not sat down and watched them both to compare yet. So, so uh, should we start at the beginning of the film then, lads? Yeah. Yeah. So, just something I wanted to pick up on. It's one of the very first things I wrote down in my little book of notes. Um, I liked that it actually started with a comic book. I just thought that is the purest opening you can get for a, for a comic book based film. Like you literally open with a kid turning the pages and narrating what they're reading, and it to me it kind of set it as in it was actually taking place in the depression. Obviously, yeah, it, it opens in black and white as well, doesn't it? Yeah, so. I I thought that was brilliant. Just takes it right back to the roots. I love that. Mm. But going yeah. straight from that, we get the the comic book theme tune that defined generations. <laughs> and I kind of want to get it up on YouTube just to play it for like the full <laughs> three minutes. But I don't think we've got the time, or I don't think Zoom will let us record for that long. But it's to me, it's one of those things you just don't mess with. I mean, don't be me wrong. I love Hans Zimmer, the Man of Steel theme, when he kneels on the ground and he goes right up into the air. I think that's a great theme. But why would you mess with perfection? Mm. Yeah. Like, Brian Singer. Yeah, the best for me, actually. So, yeah. One of my favourite William Scores and themes, actually, that, from that movie. Yeah. That, that, I say that every time I, I listen to, I watch a film with one of his scores in, and I go, oh, that's my favourite. And then a couple of days further down the line. Oh no, that's like one day it can be Jurassic Park, then it can be yeah. Yeah, it can be indie, it can be indie, then it'll be Harry Potter, then it'll be Superman. And it's like yeah. it's just so difficult to pick. Yeah. The, yeah. the man the man is up there with me f- with like the classics, as in the likes of Beethoven, Handel, uh, Mozart, etc. The man is a musical genius. Orchestra wise anyway. But, like, as I was saying, it's, uh, the Hans Zimmer theme is good and all, but you, you don't, you don't change, it's if, if it ain't broke, don't fix it, basically, is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Brian Singer knew that theme is so iconic, what's the point in getting a new one? When he did his Superman Returns, what's the point? Does yeah. any, uh, ooh, where are we now? Should, oh, should yeah. I make a start on my notes? Because otherwise ahead. we're Go we're gonna be here for quite a while if I don't <laughs> if I don't get them out and, <laughs> and done. So the full eight pages. Yeah. Yeah. we're probably so, gonna all have the same stuff written down. Anyways. Yeah, exactly. A lot of it will, I'm sure, but then there'll be things that other people pick up on. So I uh, I wrote first of all I wrote love the message at the beginning. I think that's really quite nice, the the message mm. that's written um from Superman. Um I thought the black and white image didn't quite work properly. Um, it seems yeah. to be out of focus and didn't really fit. Um, 
again, love that the theme is used so early on. Yeah. I think that's a great way to introduce it. Uh, I wrote proper 70s, 80s rock scrolling credits. <laughs> yeah. Um, because that seemed to disappear not long after these films. Um, so a very strange pan into the fortress. It, it doesn't mm. quite, again, it's not quite in focus. It, it kind of pushes away from the fortress and then back in again and, and out again. And it's, it's kind of weird. Um, Marlon Brando was superb in this as much as he didn't care for this type of film. Yeah. Um, but Zod and Gang, what were those outfits? <laughs> they were just waiting for the gimp mask, let's be perfectly yeah. honest. They just wanted the zip right across the mouth like that. Yeah. The effects in the trial are great. Yeah. I thought that works really well. Uh, I said I always got a thrill with the fact that Terence Stamp went on to play Jor-El in Smallville. Yeah. I think that's still great. Um, I love the effects from them being sent to the Phantom Zone. It's something that's kind of stuck. They've continued to do that effect throughout a lot of the incarnations. Ah, then the Dago costumes. Is it tinfoil? Yeah, I've got that, yeah. <laughs> the funny thing is, I wrote in my notes for that bit that that particular fabric is actually used nowadays in clothing because... Um, I don't know what the brand is or the make of the thing, but there is sit when I go around town, obviously pre lockdown, um, there would be kids going around and they'd have certain jackets on and as the nights would get darker and darker, when car lights would go past them, it'd reflect right off. And <laughs> I remember the first time I saw it, I thought, I've seen that somewhere. Where have I seen it? And I must have watched Superman about maybe months and months later. And I thought have I seen that before? And then it just clicked and I went, oh my God. That... And it just shows like how things, obviously it took a long time, but that material must have been so expensive back then that it's now so cheap that it's just using commercial clothing. <laughs> yeah. Then I wrote, Fortress looks superb. Um, I think all the effects of the Fortress on Krypton is great. Um, uh, it's always... not Krypton. It's Krypton. Yeah. <laughs> I had Krypton, to write that. Krypton Factor. <laughs> always a really sad story having to send your child away. Yep. That, I always find that quite hard hitting. Uh, so it always amazes me that the differences in the ship that Cal flies away in across all the different yeah, incarnations, they're very different. Well, yeah, this time they, mm. they sent him away in a Christmas decoration ornament. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It literally looks like the star you stick on top of you today. Yeah. Then I wrote, what was Brando looking at in the fortress as it was falling apart? Because he certainly wasn't looking at where the stuff was coming down. That's he for was sure. looking at his wife. Can you blame him? <laughs> he's just kind of, he's doing the smell the fart acting. <laughs> uh, I said, Cal's mum looks like Deanna Troy. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> now you've said it, yeah. Yeah. She's a uh, soul, let's be perfectly honest. Yeah. Some decent miniature work as Cal flies away. Oh, yeah. Um, the stunt work, not so great looking. As the, the buildings come away, they all seem to be not really dodging anything, just getting hit by it. <laughs> um, What's the 70s, Paul? Yeah. But if then you were going to die, you were going to die. Yeah, but then I said explosion up to the levels of Alderaan. Oh, jeez. Because I think <laughs> it, lo it looks great. I think that special it's, effect yeah. when they blow the, the planet up is, is really mm. good and... 
and, yeah, and it yeah. is very similar to what they do to Alderaan at the start of Star Wars. Mm. Um, great sci-fi sound effects for Cal Shep. Um, Cal seemed to age. Cal seemed to age quickly while he was in the ship. Despite the fact that yeah, despite the fact that he's meant to be in stasis, he um, <laughs> he ages really quickly. Um, yeah, but come on, science. Yeah, uh, <laughs> and six galaxies. Don't forget. <laughs> yeah, uh, I still can't get to grips with what age the Kent should be. They have been in their thirties all the way to their sixties when when they find mm. Cal. It, they yeah. can't seem to make up their mind how old they're meant to be. Um, yeah. Oh, the Smallville scene was shot, shot for shot. So when he lands and he comes out and he's standing there, yeah, it's more or less exactly the same shot when he comes yeah. out of the spaceship and he's standing there looking at him. It's more or less exactly the same shot. Um, I said, what a cute kid. Yeah, they, they, they nailed that. But then I said, the teenage Kent doesn't fit the bill. He doesn't come well, across as as see, see, the at thing, all. The thing with that is, by this point, my dad had actually walked into the room and said, "Oh, oh yeah, I'll sit down with you and watch this." I was like, "Okay, fine." I said, "But I, he, I said to him, do you not think that the voice at certain times, or indeed, to be honest, through the whole of that actor's dialogue?" I just thought it was. I genuinely thought it was Christopher Reeve dubbing over his voice. I think he's dubbed. I'm sure it's dubbed because I've seen the film that many times, and it yeah. always seems to be like him. Honestly, I think God, I'm I genuinely for years Christopher Reeve was just in an audio booth, just miming. Well, not miming. Sorry, just mm. dubbing over his his voice. I genuinely thought it was him. Yeah, and it could well be. As I said, I just I don't think that actor sells being Clark at all. He's completely different. I think he sells mm. being what we got in Smallville, just except what it, that would have been at the time. Yeah. Then I wrote, when did they decide Lana was brunette? Because, <laughs> of course, she in the comics, she's ginger. Yeah. And mm. it seemed like it was a thing that they just completely decided to do away with that. And then Lois became ginger in Batman vs. Superman and Man of Steel. Yeah. Um, the running um, scene, why did it take till the 90s to see the Flash on screen properly when they showcased what they could have done? Well, As not only run- that, let's be perfectly honest, when he is running against that train, his feet are not touching the ground. Yeah. Oh, that's, in fact, that's a good point for me to just chip in there. We're talking about these other addition, the other two additions that kick around. Apparently, oh, yeah. one of the, the scene with the train, apparently, there's a trim that actually takes out the fact that that's Lois on the train. Yeah, yeah. and that was actually my next yeah. note. I completely forgot that little Lois was in the in the train, mm. and that yeah. proves there's quite a, quite an age gap between well, them that they never yeah. talk about. Yeah. Well, just to add <laughs> on to that, you know, when she she's looking out the uh, the train window with the binoculars, you know, she turns to the woman who's supposed to be a mum in the next seat. That mm-hmm. is the lowest lane from the George Reeves Superman show. Yeah, <laughs> I forgot that. And that, I love yeah. that little Easter egg. I love that. Yeah, that Oh, the Kent Farm, one of my favourite locations in any film. I think that it, it just completely sells it. Um, then I wrote, Kid Kent reminds me of Eric Stoltz, but looks like a young Brendan Fraser. <laughs> um, I always felt Jonathan stuck around too long in some, some incarnations. They kill him off quite quickly in this. But in other, other, other versions, Smallville being one of them, that he seems to stick around yeah. far too long. Yeah, he's been for a long time, isn't he? 
for it to what, have what any real impact. It was about halfway through. Jesus. Yeah, he was I mean, around. Lois and Clark, while. he's an old man, isn't he? Yeah. 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 And and in um in Man of Steel, I think Clark's about what? He must have been at least late twenties, early thirties when he got sucked into the tornado. Yeah. Um. What uh, What did I write next? Yeah. Then I said they kill him off at the right point. Um. Yeah. This small world was very backwater cemetery in the middle of nowhere. Um. Mm. There's literally nothing around them at all. Um, this kryptonite belongs at a rave. It looks like a glow stick. What <laughs> glow stick? He, get, he gets into that. the barn. He just starts in. <laughs> yeah. I've got that written down here. Then I, I noticed the one bit of product placement with the box of Cheerios. <laughs> That's the only bit of product placement I noticed in the whole film. Oh, God. What do you think with a big... Big film like that, but even yeah. back in the seventies, you'd expect to um, see that. Um, yeah, cuts to the chase too quickly for me. At that point, he kind of decides to disappear with not much thought about it. He just goes, says I'm going, and that's it. He's gone. Um, yeah. and that's it for twelve years. Yeah. yeah, and then I wrote Mar and Clark in the field is exactly how I think of Smallville. With just the two of them before he leaves. Yeah. yeah. Um, then I wrote, how did Cal know where to go? Yeah. That. Again, there's, there's no rhyme or reason as to where he's actually going. No, it, it literally just cuts to him just walking through the North Pole. Yeah. Um, great sequence unveiling the fortress. Yeah. Uh, not a fan of Jor-El in the fortress. It takes away from Brando's performance. I like Crow's, mm. Crow's version that seems to be a physical performance. I feel mm. it, it really limits Brando putting him just as a head. But then again, <laughs> then again, if you think about it, they paid him, what, was it three million just for what he actually did? Yeah. For about 14 minutes of screen time, if that or something. Something like that, yeah. Whereas if they'd have done what they did in Man of Steel and Jor-El is physically there, even though he's obviously dead, I think that film would never have been made with the amount of money Brando would have wanted. Yeah, just for that. Oh, no way. I tell you what I did have written down here about the Fortress of Solitude, but it, it did look like an ice place. Yeah, uh, ice to see you. Yeah. <laughs> God help us when we come to review that film. Yeah, um, amazing. Mark McClure is mainly remembered as Marty's brother in Back to the Future, not as Jimmy, as he is great yeah. in this. Yeah, uh, man, Ralph really does look like Reeves at certain angles. At some points, if you put them together at certain angles, you can't tell the difference. No, it's yeah. really quite scary how well cast Brandon was. Just a shame mm. he got a shit film. Yeah. Um, Margot was a stunner. Shame she she suffered with bad mental health. Yeah, very bad. Sad. Um, Reeves bumbling Clark is so on point. Oh, uh, yeah. It's great. It's such a I, great I, performance. Yeah, I remember in one of the documentaries, he said, it was obviously shot before he passed away, but he said, when I came to approach it, I always thought, with the example of Batman, Batman is the, the person, Bruce Wayne is the mask. It's the other way around for yeah. Superman. He said, so I decided Clark would have a stutter. I decided he would basically be Cary Grant 
and mm. Superman would be the exact opposite. Spoke very clearly, stood up straight, didn't slouch, and I, that that's just what I, I went with. And obviously, everyone loved it. I I think it's the best Superman casting we will have, possibly ever. Yeah. yeah. And I, I, my next note was actually Cavill is getting there, but is more awkward than bumbling. Yeah, he's yeah. He, it doesn't really cover it up. He's just kind of he shies away from things rather than yeah make an the, idiot yeah. of himself. The thing is, if so, if someone was to ever say to me, "What advice would you give to someone who is going to play Superman?" I would say, "Go and watch the first two Christopher Reeve films. Don't try and exactly copy it." But use it as a base point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because while you would have to update it for obviously nowadays, I'd say that Clark Kent would still stand up if that film was made today. Yeah. 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 Then I wrote Clark catching the bullet is superb. Oh yeah. It's so yeah. It's so clever. If you didn't know anything about Superman, you would just assume that someone was going to croak it at that point. Yeah. Um, the contents of the I handbook. love how he, he redid that in Wonder Woman as well. Yeah. I thought I wrote, that was brilliant. Then I wrote contents of the handbag. I thought that was really, really good as well. Um, very clever way to get away from the cops. That's when Lex's henchman's getting away under the, through the train it's a bit, tunnels. It's a bit grim though when you think about it. Yeah. And he just goes woof and just pushes and of course, into the thing. That sequence features a Richard Donner regular. Yeah. Um, yeah, one of the two, one of the policemen. He actually becomes like uh, the boss in *Lethal Weapon* later on. Yeah. yeah. I'm not sure the actor's name was that, but he pops up in most of Donner's films. Yeah, I, I just to go back a little bit. I loved that they added the sort of character trait for Lois in that she's a Pulitzer Prize-winning journalist, but she can't fucking spell. <laughs> <laughs> I love that because now nowadays journalists have to be like an ace. A uh, t- uh, type of uh, spell checker. I mean, obviously we have Word now, so that does it for you. But before, just before the invention of Word processor, you had to be able to do all that stuff for yourself. And I love that they added that for her, just to sort of bring her down. She's not the best, yeah, but you get away with it. Yeah. Uh, then I wrote over an hour before we meet Lex. Yeah. Which is quite surprising. But then I also wrote Hackman weak link. And I think everybody really? thinks that yeah, he's awful as Lex. He's dreadful. And it actually mm. comes up as another note later on. Um, mm. I'll go into it. Lex's I mean, hideout is, is a strange set. I would agree with you on the fact that he's not the best Lex. Yeah. I would say that goes to um, either John Cryer or Michael Rosenbaum. Yeah. But, I, as I said, I have got another note regarding okay. this before the end. Um as I said, Lex's hideout is a strange set. It seems half of it's like a posh house. Um, and then the <laughs> other half of it's like a prison. Um, it's a flooded out station, isn't it? I think. Yeah. yeah. So I always thought the helicopter crash scene was superb stunt work for the age of the film. Oh, it, it's that, that is the scene that made me a Superman fan over Batman. Yeah. Yeah. Um, then I wrote, build-up to Cal is so wonderful. And the costume is iconic. Oh, yeah. Uh, 
when he, as we know, the the change, um, that look he gives her as he catches the helicopter. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, then I wrote, f- for some bizarre reason, it just popped into my head that I'll, I'll always remember the Christopher Reeve waxwork at Madame Two Swords. Uh, I'd completely forgotten about it, but they they had him. He was in the in a stairwell, so it looked like he was flying up the stairs through the middle yeah. of the stairs. And it, it's always it was somewhere that I used to go every year because it was so close. To, it was on the train line. I literally oh. get on one train and I was in Baker yeah. Street. And Madame Two Swords was right there, so I used to go quite regularly. And it was it just something that that popped into my head as I was watching. I was like, oh god, I'd completely forgotten about that. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, the flying effects were brilliant. Oh. Obviously, for for then it was superb, and it still works now. I haven't seen Brandon Ralph do it again. Um, yeah, I mean, there's there's still one or two scenes that you go, oh yeah, I can see the outline of Christopher Reeve. But the thing is, I've I've got a love of that film from such a long time. Yeah. That I don't care. I really don't. Yeah. Uh, Reeves comic timing, just excellent. Oh, yeah. Uh, the cat scene is so cute. <laughs> but <laughs> then again, child abuse. Yeah. Uh, sound quality in the fortress is poor. Um, they don't seem to really affix that. Um, Perry White is very Jay Jonah in this. They're very, very similar compared to how some some of the Perry White um, performances have, have been. This is very, very much like your typical news editor like Jay Jonah is yeah. in Spider-Man. Um, can we please brighten Henry's costume if he comes back? Oh, yeah. Funnily enough, I found an edit of Henry's costume on the internet and I keep meaning to send it to you, but shit happens and I keep forgetting. <laughs> Someone remind me. It's so yeah. beautiful. <laughs> then I wrote, Reeve was a proper pretty boy. Uh, Truth, Justice, and the American Way. Oh, always. Um, the S on the cape was far more cartoonish than the one on the front of the suit. Yeah. It's very much more mm. like the comic book version. Um, oh, wow, yeah. Courtney Cox was a dead ringer for Margot. She would have been at a fantastic Lois Lane. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Now you said it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, interesting they included... Uh, Statue of Liberty, considering it's meant to be in Kansas still. Yeah. <laughs> I, I found that very strange. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That they focus in on that. Um, I love old school sets like the flying above the clouds scene. I think that's a proper like 1970s, 80s set. Yeah. I, see, I love the bit right before they properly take off where she says, oh, like Clark's been back talking you behind, behind your back. Yeah. And he says, what do you mean? She, she says, oh, you said you were rigged with wires like Peter Pan. And I love the line that he just says, Peter Pan flew with children in a fairy tale. And as a kid, that made me go, mm-hmm. oh, so he is real. And that <laughs> still holds up to me to this day. I love it. So, yeah, on the, the Peter Pan note, I also noticed that Lois is actually dressed as Wendy. Yeah. <laughs> which yeah. I thought was... Really quite sweet to go along with the with the line. Um, then I said, would have loved to have been on the set of a film like this. Yeah, um, definitely. I Until actually wrote... Started. Yeah. Then I wrote, I love Clark probably more than Cal. I think he's superb as, as Clark. Um, and I, mm. I think the character is, is better for him. It fits more with his style. 
Mm. Not that I'm saying he's he's brilliant as Superman as well. I just oh, yeah. think there's something sure. very special about his portrayal of Clark. I, th- I think the yeah. thing with a character like that is if you can nail the hard side of it, you can easily get the real. Because yeah. Clark is just a, yeah. a mask. Whereas, and if you can nail the mask, you can instantly switch to what the real character is. Yeah. yeah. Then I wrote, the screeching noise is a shock to the system. Oh. <laughs> Do you know what it reminded so, me of? So is the cheesy voiceover. That's why I was in the ear. Yeah. See, I used terrible. to like that as a kid, but as I've got older, I thought, yeah, that's cringy. Yeah. But the, the, the screaming always reminded me of uh, Bonnie Langford in Classic Doctor Who because there was one episode <laughs> where she actually matched the end scream at the end of every episode that used to go, ew, ew. She, she matched the, the note of that, and I was like, holy shit. Uh, then I wrote, the costume change there is a bit dodgy. Yeah. It, the second change isn't as good as the first one. It requires a suspension of disbelief. Yeah. Put it that way. Um, the shooting scene is pure Superman. Oh, yeah. At that point. Um, oh, polystyrene, polystyrene snow. Because <laughs> it is. It's, it's awful. Uh, and this is where we get back to, to Lex. Not, not having Hackman. They are yet to really get Lex right. That's including Rosenbaum because that was Lex Jr., not full-on Lex. Mm, true. Um, weirdly, Hackman reminds me of Bill Murray, just not as good. Yeah, it's when he pushes the door open, he goes, it's open, just come in. Yeah. That's just spot on. Yeah. Mm. Um, Soups is the be- beacon for humanity. This film sells this, t- taking on human issues. Yeah. Um, why does it automatically have to face off against an alien threat these days? Yeah. It's, yeah. Yeah. See, and that's, that's for me what's ruined this extended universe is that they've yeah. gone straight into fighting aliens. these big aliens. Batman's yeah. not mm. even fought someone normal at this point from mm. our point of yeah. view. Yeah. Why? The thing I do is if you're going to make a Superman trilogy, put the aliens in maybe the third film. Yeah. You, yeah. The first one you need I mean it'd be hard to make him cool, but maybe Toy Man. Yeah. Uh second film have Lex Luthor, but make him create Parasite. And then uh third one, Zod Brainiac, any yeah. alien. It just it just feels like they dive straight in with these yeah. new films when there was no build up to it at all. Um Kryptonite was not introduced in the comics, but on radio. Yeah. That yeah. was a, a little note that I just wrote. Uh, Miss mm. Tessmacher, who appears in Supergirl as mm. Lena's assistant rather than Lex. Yeah. Which mm. uh, I'd completely forgotten about. Um, Cal dying in water, whereas Justice League brings him back in water. Mm. Oh, yeah. Which I thought was a strange parallel. Mm. Um. Then I wrote New York looking supreme. It looks fantastic when we see the see it sprawling out in front of them. Then I wrote, man, John Ratzenberger playing the same character in one and two. 
plays the same character in the second film. Oh yeah. He plays. I wonder is that all part of the, the the problem they had? Because they shot a lot. Because we, as we know, they shot those two films together. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I wonder yeah. whether his stuff was split. Yeah. yeah. Then I wrote, "Is the train actually a monorail?" Because oh, no. they show they show it they show it as a train, but then when you actually get into the carriage, it looks like a monorail. Oh God, yeah. It doesn't look like a train at all once you actually yeah, get it, inside it. Looks it looks like um, when it looks like in Jurassic World when the two young lads are in the monorail. Yeah. Yeah, actually, yeah, now you said it. Yeah. Uh, the breaking down effects are really clever because it really does look like the real thing. Mm. And they did a good job of reproducing that. Um, could do with Kidder screaming less. <laughs> Always. Um, the miniature work, again, is stunning. Yeah. Um, anyone who knew Superman knew Lois wasn't going to be killed off. Obviously. Um, I don't buy that Cal would get that angry. Not sure he would turn back time either just to get his freak on. <laughs> the, the, the thing I always thought was they sold the relationship and the the love dynamic between Superman and Lois. But it was not sold enough for me that he would immediately jump into space and t- turn the Earth back. Yeah. It wasn't that set in stone. That's why I like the idea that Richard Donner said no, we need that for the ending for number two. Yeah. Because the original ending for one was he gets rid of the two missiles, one of them explodes in space, and that's what frees Zod and the other two. Yeah. Um, then I wrote, the prison drop-off scene is beautifully lit and a great way to end. Yeah. That iconic scene that has been replicated so many times. Probably the second greatest superhero movie of all time. Nine out of ten. <laughs> Good. Nice, nice little yeah wait hang on so if it's the second greatest what's your first Batman Returns okay then because the villains are so much better yeah they're more well rounded really aren't they yeah yeah okay I'll give you that yeah uh, I'm just looking for any other notes I wrote down um, Oh, uh, I wrote penis joke in interview scene. Um, <laughs> do to do, do. How to do a newspaper room justice. Warner Brothers should learn because Batman vs Superman version was shit. Um, do. Oh, the ultimate immigrant story. Um, that is, and I'm really not going to get political about this because of the current climate on Mr. Trump, but. Superman is supposed to be the ultimate Americana, apple pie, stars and spangles, but for DC. Um, and he's the ultimate immigrant, literally comes from another planet in, in five galaxies away, something like that. And he's supposed to be the symbol of America, comic book-wise. And yet America's attitude today stinks. So, uh, you. Oh, I wrote... Uh, at the end of the helicopter save scene, um, she asks who he is, and he says, a friend, which I wrote is actually the definition of Superman. He is just your friend. And what it made me think of was the comic book All-Star Superman, where he literally talks someone off a ledge rather than just catching them as they're falling. Mm. There's, there's a nice little moment there as well where he talks about uh, flight, but statistically speaking, one of the safest things to do doesn't oh, he? it's, it's just a great line it's it's the, it's one of the 
it's one of those lines where it should be on a t-shirt. Yeah. Really. Yeah. With yeah. the with a little Superman logo underneath. <laughs> uh, I wrote Miss Tessmacher's titties. Um, <laughs> Funny enough, I've written, I put a W by Miss Tessmacher on my notes. <laughs> For the little smiley face. Oh, of course. <laughs> Um. Oh, when uh, Lex and Otis and Miss Tashmacher go and hijack the nukes and they change the codes on the nuke, when she has to lie on the ground pretend she's been in a um mm. car accident, I love the seventies sexism. I think it's actually it's so bad considering where we are today yeah. that it's laughable. I'm going to jump in there and go back, refer back. We mentioned these extra cuts. And that's one of the bits where there's a significant extra bit. They show some bits in the bushes be, just before that. <laughs> some there's, bits in the bushes. There's, 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 an, there's an extra exchanges with Tessmacher and Lex when uh, she's getting ready and talks about wearing heels and stuff. And she suggests that he's probably worn them. Yeah. How, how, am I, how am I supposed to drive in these heels? Is what she should have said, but I, I wrote down that um, when the army captain go like finds her on the ground and he says, uh, I would recommend mouth to mouth and a vigorous chest massage. And like, like the fella goes to go and do it, he goes, Go ahead, and he goes, No, 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 I would never um, make one of my men do something I wasn't prepared to do myself. Like by J.R. Ewing himself, oh, uh, it's Harry Hagman, yeah, it's I, I thought it's just. It's hilarious. Um, the second change scene that you were on about, Paul, um, when he actually, when he falls out the window and there's the change, which is literally just someone copied and pasted the suit over him, you can actually still see the suit pants he was wearing when he jumped out the window. <laughs> <laughs> and and the brown shoes he had on as well. I oh, mean, We haven't even got to Milton Keynes Superman yet. That, that's when you know it's bad. <laughs> that- that's going to be the live commentary, I think. Yeah. Oh, uh, and then I wrote after he saves Lois, Jimmy Olsen is a super cock block. <laughs> and that was the end of my notes. Yeah, I think we, we've covered a lot of what I've, I've just objected one or two things I know from watching it. We, we talked about the shiny suits. I'd love to see somebody cosplaying though, somewhere. That'd be great. Oh, yeah. One that I picked up on, of course, in that, that opening sequence, again, there's a bit more of it in the, in the extended editions. Is the amount of British actors that are that pop up in the on Krypton? Yeah, it's basically old Brits and young Brits playing all those key parts, and yeah. and Brandon does a really good British accent as well. I think. Oh to yeah. Get in yeah. At that Except point. when he's pronouncing the name of his bloody planet. Yeah, yeah, he wavers a bit, doesn't he? There. Yeah. Uh, oh, I, I yeah, also wrote, actually for that bit, I love the thought and detail that went into the other Kryptonian house logos. Yeah. I thought someone's actually sat down and. Spent time doing that. Did one and of I them like, look like Arm and Hammer, the uh, toothpaste company? Arm and Hammer. I would just say, as my my personal concluding remark, that Warner Brothers could learn a lot from this film. You can learn a lot from the past. Yeah. yeah. Going forward. Was, there was something else I was going to bring up. We go back to the um, the bit with the um, when they hijack the rockets. Is where the hell does Lex get that lorry from so quickly? Did he know Otis was going to fuck up straight away? Let's be honest. Otis, it's Otis. He was going to fuck up, let's be honest. But it's like, 
he's not clearly smacked him in the eye because we see it in that there's the next shot he's got this massive shiner but at some point he's obviously got a lorry in standby that he's yeah. off the road uh, it, and, it, and, it, this film does require a lot of as I said before suspension of disbelief yeah. um and the other, just flipping back to the extended editions again, and the reason I was aware of their existence is the after we get the dog whistle scene and Superman goes down to t- take on Lex, there's a little section where he actually goes through some of Lex's security measures. Yeah, yeah. He tries to shoot him and stuff, burn him and stuff like that. And I never recalled seeing that. And then it, I caught it on Channel 5 one afternoon. And I thought, I don't remember seeing that before. <laughs> I think that's that what Paul it. was that's saying about the polystyrene snow. Yeah, that, and that's the TV edition, and that's that's kind of ah right. These, ex- these extended versions. Um, I've got um, the other thing I picked up on was I love the moment where we see Otisburg on the map. <laughs> <laughs> Any little places, it's, and it's, then he says it again. He was Otisburg, got, and it's uh, just the I, fact I, Ned Beatty just, just ran out a little place, you know. And Ned Beatty just so. sell that scene. He just kind of clean it off after it's just genius. Uh, uh, and, but uh, let's I think Gene Hackman carries the narcissism of Lex very well in terms of Yes. Um what what what's the la- one line he says that I thought that is that's a Lex Luther line. Um oh it's when he says uh, is that how a warp brain like yours gets its kicks um by plotting the death of innocent people and he was no, by causing the death of innocent people. And yeah. I was like, oh, my. Yeah. And I think that's why I like Hackman's term, because to me, of all, all the villains across, particularly across DC, yes, he's one of the most menacing villains, yeah. but he's also one of the most ludicrous. Oh, because yeah. his, his sole motivation is jealousy and a God complex. Yeah. He yeah. hates Superman because he's a better man than he is. Yeah. And everything he comes up with is just to sort of whap his willy on the table, basically. Yeah. That's what it comes down to. <laughs> yeah, basically. It's it's because it the root of all Lex Luthor's evil after Superman becomes a thing is just pure jealousy, really. Let's yeah. be perfectly yeah. honest. Basically, it's bald man syndrome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he rips that off at the end. Lex Luthor, the greatest baldy in the world. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, uh, I'll just pick up one last chat about the extended ones. Apparently, there's the bit just there where we actually get to see, apparently, where he actually gets Lex and Otis, and he rescues Miss Tessmacher at the same time. So I've seen that. Yeah. Go back and watch these two in full at some point. The extendeds after, just to go back over that stuff. Yeah. Um, Because you kind of again, that's a bit where you think, at what point did he go and get them after he saved the planet? (laughs) They just (laughs) appear in prison. Just, um, just one last thing on Lex. The reason I like Gene Hackman, not only because he was my first Lex Luthor personally, but it was also because when I came, when it finally came time for me to watch the god-awful thing that is Superman 4, The Quest for Peace, <laughs> he, obviously apart from Christopher Reeve himself, Gene Hackman is one of the best things about that film mm. in the absolute shitstorm that it is. Yeah, it, that and that's just a testament to Gene Hackman rather than him playing Lex to me. Mm. And when so, we do the commentary for four, it's going to be me and Tony going. We stayed there. 
We've shot there. Yeah. We came out of that train station. Yeah, they probably will, wouldn't it? We met uh, William Shatner there. After about yeah. We went William Shatner through that window. Yeah, <laughs> yeah um, we've definitely got to do that one. I think it's going to be yeah. good fun. To do oh, that yeah. one. The commentary. I, th- I think we, we might... Craig's about, we'll, we'll get him on that one as well. ...release for uh, superhero films from now till anything new happens to break or you I know I should give you a score as well shouldn't I yeah we uh, well we've heard Paul's beautiful 9 out of 10 for this classic film Tony uh, well I, I tend to go with a 5 don't I so I would give it a 5 but for the fact we've got these 3 different editions kicking around with all ridiculously long running times <laughs> so, <laughs> just make up your mind so 4 and a half out of five. That, that's a low for what, such an iconic film, Tony. Not, not really. It's just like I kind of prefer... Oh, four Superman out of five, so I thought you said out of ten. Yeah. Four and a half out of five, so you Oh, no. Out. Yeah, fair yeah. enough, fair enough. So basically the same score that I gave it. Pretty much, yeah. 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 Pretty much. Oh, I think my ears are going. I'm going to go to Boots for them free hearing tests, you know. <laughs> um, considering this was my first comic book film, and as I've gotten older, I've just, I've started to pick it apart but my love for it still stands i will go for a nine and a half out of ten yeah yeah because we we think of it as being perfect from when we saw it, but there oh, are yeah. some elements that don't possibly work now like i say i think they are whichever version you watch it's a ridiculously long orange film for oh, yeah. there's yeah. a lot they pack in yeah which is why this wasn't a commentary <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. we would have still been yeah. recording at midnight. Yeah. Well, it's, um, it's the, the thing about it is when I was growing up, you could watch that film and still be amazed and in awe yeah. by what they yeah. did at the time. Whereas if I was to show that film to my kids in the year 2030-something, for example, they'd be like, yeah, it's good, but the, the flying shite. And they'd, they'd probably say, oh, Man of Steel's better because of the flying. And I'd be like, no, have a smack. <laughs> That's the child abuse we, from we, the Superman we, we, film. We, we, I'd reenact that. Obviously, we, we, we don't actually condone child abuse on this podcast. No, we don't. <laughs> but if you diss Superman, you are likely to get a short, sharp shock. Skype's from there. me. <laughs> I'm just thinking my yeah. kids in like God knows how many years time are going to listen to this and go, oh my God, that's why you smacked me that time. This will be plugged <laughs> straight into their head by then. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah, it will. If he, if Mr. Musk has anything to do with it. Oh. Well, boys, it has been lovely to talk to you again. Yeah, it's I been a while. I have missed the company. Yeah. Thing, things have been, despite the fact you think that we'd be freer to do stuff, it gets to the end of it. Yeah, you get to the end of the day and you're like, well, what have I done? I've sat behind a computer all day. Yeah. yeah. Do I want to do it for another two hours? Yeah. <laughs> um, well, hopefully, now we get through into winter again, now we'll have a yeah. bit more scope, I hope. So. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, with and more we're... things dropping across streaming services and yeah, hopefully, hopefully we'll have something getting going again. Yeah, we can have something new by the end of the year to talk about. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Fingers crossed. But I think we're going to come back next month with Superman 2. Mm. Lovely. So get that. we can get the uh, 
the bulk of the original films done before the end of the year. Yeah. And then we can move on to the next set of films for the new year. <laughs> and give you a nice yeah, Christmas present of a commentary for Superman 4. Pray for us, people, please. Because there's not a lot of news to talk about, really, at the moment. The, no. Other than that, people are back filming. It's yeah. There's not a lot coming. Obviously, we had the trailer for WandaVision earlier yeah. in the week. But other than that, what else is there? There isn't. No. Because no new shows are coming on at the moment because they've only just started filming. Yeah. Um, the likes of the stuff, stuff like the your boys is only dropping weekly. So yeah, yeah. exactly. Mm. And I, I've not even started that. I'm going to wait until. It's yeah, I, I'm doing the same that. as you, Paul. Um, I'm just kind of catching up on a load of old stuff that's finished that I never got yeah. around to actually finishing, and stuff that isn't comic book. I suppose. Mm. I finished yeah. the Purge today. Finally. Ooh. Yeah, I need to watch that as well. So. And what else? Yeah. What else did I finish? Finish something else. The last couple of days as well. It had been sitting there for ages that I hadn't, yeah. hadn't finished. Um, and, I, and I'm sort of just recovering from my marathon Clone Wars and Rebels watch this, yeah. this afternoon. Let's I'm be honest, getting... Tony, you cried at the end, didn't you? <laughs> I may have got yeah. a bit emotional the last couple of episodes, yeah. Yeah, you did. I knew, I knew you would have done. From... I knew what you would have done. From the moment that they did what they did to Kanan, and I thought, what? Everything's off the table now. Anyone could go from now on. I was, and I thought, fair dues, that was so ballsy what they did with that character. Yeah. Yeah. And I, oh, shit. Everything's up in the air now. <laughs> that was good. Well, boys, it has been a pleasure, as I said, and I hope to talk to you again soon. Yep. yep. Very and soon. And to all hopefully. of you listening in, we just have two words. Stay safe. This podcast is part of the After Dark Podcast Network.